It's after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. שיירות לבנות חוזרות מבית כנסת והריח הזה ששורק לי את הלב מתגנב, מתגנב ופותח דלתו אל אושר קטן, אל אותו שיר ישן שעובר אצלנו במשך דורות Thank you. 
Oh 
Benny Friedman, Ivri Anochi here at JM in the AM. Uh, Ani Yisrael was Gershon Varoba. Ohad had Malchusha. You heard Ms. Morshir done by Aryeh Kunstler. Miami Mizrach with Loya Num. Bill Vavi, that was Aryeh Kunstler off the NCSY Bencher app. Matanat Ketanot by Rami Kleinstein. And of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this January 6th, the 8th of Teves. Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayigash with candle lighting at 424 in the New York area. Also in the New York area, we got a little bit of snow. An alternate side of the street parking is suspended. Public service for those in the New York area. Sunday is a fast day. Asar Bateves is Sunday. Sunday is a fast day. Matas will present JM Sunday on the fast day beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern time here at the Nahum Siegel Network. 29 degrees outside with 88% humidity. Winds are north at 5 miles an hour. Morning snow showers with a high of 36. Then tonight, mostly cloudy, a low of 24. Maybe some snow showers on Shabbos with a high of 27 degrees only. Wow. 54 right now in Yerushalayim. We're at 29 here in um, New York City. As we say good morning at JM in the AM. You know, yesterday I forgot to mention a Mazel Tov to um, Shani and Chaim Hollander, who, of course, we know as uh, Hollander. <laughs> we know the entire family is Hollander. Uh, they had a brand-new baby boy on Wednesday, and we say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Many longtime listeners certainly remember Hollander, and uh, we take this opportunity to wish him and his wife and the entire family a very special Mazal Tov. Brand-new baby boy earlier this week, and... Um, we are so glad to report on wonderful news on this great radio broadcast. Malcolm Honline, speaking of wonderful news, Malcolm Honline, uh, just over an hour from now, as we explore the news of the day and of the week, uh, he'll join us for the weekly update at about 7.40 Eastern Time this morning here at JM in the AM. Everybody, Uden's live from Israel. He'll be joining us from the Holy Land in the 8 o'clock hour. And plenty more, Naomi Nachman with Table for Two, a brand new edition coming up at 9 o'clock. 10 a.m. for the Erev Shabbos music mix, which is a remarkable and incredible and will include today, not only is it a presentation of Kedem, uh, the Royal Wine Corporation, but uh, Mark Zomek is going to be doing a live lunch smack in the middle of that um, of that, uh, of that uh, Erev Shabbos music mix. So tune in and enjoy. It is the absolute best way for you to uh, prepare for Shabbos, no matter where you are, in the car, in the office, at home. No matter where you are, the best way to prepare is with the Arab Shabbos music mix that we provide here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Plenty more coming up. Thanks so much for tuning in. Again, the weekly update is on the way as we start to wrap up this uh, wonderful week here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, this is a uh, a presentation by the Aaron Tannelbaum Orchestra, which features Ohad and a couple of amazing selections um, for you right now at JM in the AM at the Nahum Siegel Network. Ki khatati lkha 
J.M. in the A.M. Oh, yes. Moshav Band with those couple of great uh, Arab Shabbos selections. L'chad Odi and Shalom Aleichem. Lo Lehit Ja'esh, that was Shua Kessin. You heard Ohad in there with Melech Malchem Lachim uh, opening up that uh, set for us on a Friday morning broadcast here at J.M. in the A.M. I love looking at the app comments, especially when they're so fast and furious like they are this morning. Uh, thanks, everybody who's commenting on the app. Daf Yomi, it is out there. He says he loves the NCSY Bencher app, and boy, there's good reason for that. It's amazing. And the show that presented it, where else but JM and the AM. Thank you so much, Daf Yomi Yid. Moshe says, a good Nerev Shabbos. In Norway, there is no longer any FM radio as the government pushes people to go all digital. Even if you hadn't done so, Norwegian listeners would have had to. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, we're, we're ahead of the curve. We are ahead. We are uh, we are we have already taken the step to tomorrow, a step to the future. Here we are, with an amazing digital radio presentation, twenty four hours a day. And yes, 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 people are getting used to converting from the um, old FM to this new incredible format. Want to thank uh, Rabbanit Sarah? She says loves JM and bonus JM. Thank you very very much for that, and best regards to the entire family. And. Um, Listen to Yaakov, wishes everybody a good job. It's all from the uh, NSN app for Android and iPhone, which uh, is really easy to install. If you go ahead and uh, go to your app store, it really is as simple as that. You just go and install it, and uh, then seconds later, you can comment on the home screen of the app, and we see that in front of us in real time. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, candle lighting at 424. Weekly update and plenty more on a Friday. Keep it right here, everybody, at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Amazing tune from Yaakov Shweki on an Arab Shabbos. Friday morning, Sunday's a fast day. Don't forget a Batavis. Sunday is a fast day. You're listening to America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio exclusively around the world at NahumSiegel.com, the NahumSiegel Network, and of course in our beloved NSN app. And I just noticed on the app, we have somebody who's tuned in who's traveling from New York to Montreal, at least I think from New York, says here driving to Montreal and enjoying. And I think for that listener, I have to dig up a really nice Yesler Rosenblatt Shabbos piece and to put it on. Yeah, that's what I think we need to do. So don't be surprised if you hear Yesler Rosenblatt opening up the 7 o'clock hour after our news from Israel coming up. A reminder, we have an incredible lineup all day long after Naomi Nachman's brand new edition of Table for Two. At 10 o'clock this morning, you will hear the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix. And we have enhanced that incredible music mix and that incredible soundtrack of Arab Shabbos experience. By adding a live lunch, Mark Zamek will be live at 12 noon. Big thank you to our friends at Kedem and the Royal Wine Corporation. Galaitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Toe from JM and the AM. ראש הממשלה בנימין נתניהו מברך על החלטת הקונגרס האמריקני שגינה את ממשל אובמה ומועצת הביטחון של האו"ם שבועיים אחרי ההחלטה נגד ישראל. חברי הקונגרס הביעו תמיכה גורפת בישראל והתנגדות גורפת להחלטת מועצת הביטחון. חברי הקונגרס יודעים שהכותל המערבי איננו שטח כבוש והם הביעו את כוונתם לבטל או לשנות את ההחלטה האנטי-ישראלית באו"ם. זו בדיוק הכוונה שלנו וזו תוכנית העבודה שלנו. תודה לכם חברי הקונגרס, תודה לך אמריקה. נשיא המדינה ראובן ריבלין אומר בצל סערת משפט אל אור עזריה, חייבים לשמור על צה"ל, כתבנו נועם קליין. נשיא ריבלין אמר בעקבות הרשעת עזריה בהריגת המחבל המנוטרל בחברון, צה"ל הוא לא רק הצבא של כולנו, צה"ל הוא כולנו. המפקדים הם מקור ההשראה וגאווה, ואני יודע שאנחנו נמשיך ונשמור עליהם כדי שהם יוכלו לשמור עלינו. השבוע פרסם הנשיא הודעה ובה כתב כי הענקת החנינה ללאור עזריה תידון רק לאחר שיתקבל פסק דין חלוט ובהמלצת הגורמים הנוגעים בדבר. הוארך בעשרה ימים מעצרו של החשוד במסע הירי בחיפה לפני שלושה ימים, שבו נרצח גיא כפרי, זכרו לברכה, ונפצע אדם נוסף. עורך דינו של החשוד, רפאת אסדי, טוען כי בדיון לא נטען שהרקע למעשה לאומני. כתבנו בחיפה קובי מנדל שמע אותו. אם יתברר כי יש רגליים לחשדות, והיה אם החשדות יתבססו, ויתברר בסופו של יום שהאירוע הוא על רקע לאומני, אני הצהרתי ואני מצהיר כעת שאני לא אמשיך לייצג בתיק. המדינה מבקשת להחזיר למעצר את חבר הכנסת באסל גטאס, כתבנו מיכאל האוזרטוב. הפרקליטות מערערת על פסיקת בית משפט השלום שהחליט לבטל את מעצר הבית של חבר הכנסת רטס, החשוד באספקת מכשירי טלפון ומידע מסווג לאסירים ביטחוניים פלסטינים. בבקשה נכתב כי המעשים המיוחסים לרטס מלמדים כי מדובר במי שאינו מציית לחוק, שאינו חושש לבצע עבירות פשע חמור בתוך מתקנים ביטחוניים, וקיים חשש שיסכן את ביטחון הציבור גם מחוצה להם. תושבי עמונה נגד ראש הממשלה נתניהו. אם המדינה לא תעמוד בהסכם, נאלץ לשקול מחדש את דרכנו. כתבנו ענבל תמיר. במכתב ששלחו התושבים לראש הממשלה נתניהו, הם כתבו עשרים ימים חלפו, אך טרם החלו העבודות בשטח. אם בסופו של יום הבתים לא ייבנו והמדינה לא תעמוד בהתחייבויותיה ותפר את ההסכם, 
אנו תושבי עמונה נאלץ לשקול מחדש את דרכנו, כך במכתב. התושבים כזכור התחייבו בפני בג"ץ כי התפנו בהסכמה ללא כל התניה, כלומר בלי קשר למימוש ההסכם. מזג האוויר לשבת, התקררות קלה. ולסיום, מדוע נסחפו רבבות ביצי הפתעה לחוף ים סמוך לדנמרק? כתבתנו שירה נאות. ספינה שהייתה בדרכה לרוסיה איבדה מטען ובו עשרות אלפי ביצי שוקולד שנשטפו לחופו של אי קטן בדנמרק. כעת תושבי האי והתיירים שבו עסוקים במצוד אחר הביצים וההפתעות שבתוכן, ומאחר שהפכו לחסרות ערך במי הים, בעל הספינה לא צפוי לדרוש פיצויים. עם זאת, ברשויות דנמרק מודאגים מזיהום הפלסטיק הגדול שייווצר ומהמפגע הסביבתי. אלה החדשות שעורך ניתאי ענבי, ביצוע טכני, שגיא גבאי.
J.M. in the A.M. Well, yesterday I mentioned during the live lunch how I am so enjoying watching our community grow um, through the app. People actually having conversations now through our app. And I mentioned earlier that listener Yoichi is out there driving to Montreal. So someone whose name is New York to Montreal writes, Yoichi, how are the roads? When I got in last night, the snow is starting in Plattsburgh. <laughs> so I'll tell you, I love the fact that there's so many conversations going on. Uh, on the NSN app, uh, seemingly all through the day. Friday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM. Thanks for tuning in and being part of this amazing listening experience. Much appreciated. Uh, before Ari Goldwag, you heard Leviathan with Aisha Schael. We sent the uh, Yasla Rosenblatt Tikanta Shabbos piece out to listener Yaichi, who's on the road and um, heading up to Montreal, Canada. Uh, 20 minutes after the hour, it is JM and the AM for a Friday. Malcolm Holmline, just about 20, 25 minutes from now for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. We'll explore the events of the week. Um, candle lighting at 424 in the New York area. 424, it's Erev Shabbos Parshas by Yigash. We are followed by Naomi Nachman, who's coming up with Table for Two. She'll be on uh, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. You can see the video on the homepage at NahumSiegel.com. The audio, of course, through all of our platforms. And she will have um, Daniela Silver, author of The Silver Platter, Simple Elegance. Hannah Frischman of Fruit Platters and More. And Yeruchim State, Chocolatier for Excellence Chocolate. And I believe Yeruchim is from Montreal, am I right? We keep talking about Montreal today. I believe he's actually from Montreal. Uh, at least that was the rumor in the studio earlier in the week that the guests from uh, Excellence Chocolate had traveled in from Montreal, Canada, uh, to be with Naomi in studio. That is how popular our network and her show uh, continues to uh, to become and to grow. Um, uh, also, I remind you that starting at 10 a.m., Kedem presents our incredible Arab Shabbos music mix, which is the best way to prepare for Shabbos. It's an incredible soundtrack, whether you're in the office or in the car or you're um, uh, working at home, whatever the case may be. And as you prepare for Shabbos, you just put it on and let it roll. And Mark Zamek has really enhanced the experience. And a big thank you to our friends at Kedem. There's a live lunch now at 12 noon Eastern time, which really excites this. Based on what we see on the back end, it really excites this audience to have a live lunch in the middle of a Friday. So Mark will be live and he'll be playing the songs and talking about Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayigash all coming up um, on the stream, on the network. Uh, here at the NahumSiegel.com and on the NahumSiegel app and on the NahumSiegel network. And uh, then remember, Avrami hosts Saturday Night Siegel tomorrow night, starting at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Matis with JM Sunday on Sunday morning, Asara Bateves. 
Your weekend programming includes Elliot Weiselberg and Court Report, the Yeshiva League Court Report at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday night. There is just so much going on all the time here at NSN. So take advantage and enjoy the listening experience. Speaking of listening experience, I got a great text from our friend Ellie in Israel. He says that um, his wife Ilana is listening right now in Hashemarayim. She's a very religious fan of JM and the AM and the Nachum Single Network. <laughs> I like that. Um, so please wish her a Shabbat Shalom to all in Hashemarayim. So Ilana and everybody in Hashemarayim, Tadaraba, Shabbat Shalom. Thanks for listening. More music coming up. You are listening to the Nachum Single Network, and this is, of course, JM in the AM. Oh, I never 
Malayim Ziv is the name of that one. Before that, you heard Avraim Malavram Free with the Ani here at JM in the AM. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, candlelighting 424 in the New York area after 730 here in the Eastern Time Zone, which means we're about 10 minutes away from our weekly update. Malcolm Holine is going to be joining us to talk about the events of the week. 29 degrees, morning snow showers and a high of 36. Greetings to everybody around the world. Thanks for tuning in. No matter where you are, reminder today, our bonus JM went on very early. <laughs> I was in this studio in the 4 o'clock hour this morning, uh, so we started really early. But typically, our bonus JM, our live presentation before JM and the AM, begins at about 5.15 Eastern time. So keep that in mind and tune in early. Uh, if you're in Israel, for instance, uh, it's perfect. You don't have to wait till 1 o'clock uh, to hear a live radio show. You get to hear it uh, just after 12 noon. So keep that in mind uh, for your listening pleasure uh, starting on Monday. And if you want any of the bonus JM programs, they're all available in the archive section of the NSN app. And we are very proud of that. Arab Shabbos, JM in the AM. I want to remind everybody about a couple of things going on. First of all, uh, you know that on May 24th, it is Yom Yerushalayim number 50, the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem. The mega mission is being taken care of by the uh, amazing people of the Mizrahi World Movement. Um, make sure to be there. What else is there to say? If you're a shul, a school, a shul of any type, a school, a, a men's club, a sisterhood, an organization, a group of friends, make sure you are well represented in Yerushalayim on the 50th, which is May 24th. I have to start gathering up my friends and let them know that they are expected in Jerusalem for that incredible day. Uh, information about the trip, Mizrahi.org slash yy50 mizrahi.org slash yy50 a reminder the Asara Bateves program at Merkaz Asimcha on Bay Avenue in Brooklyn happens this Sunday after all this Sunday is Asara Bateves Rabbi Yosef Wiener speaks at 12 noon 1 p.m. for Avmosha Tuvia Leaf and 2 o'clock for Rabbi Eitan Feiner it's all happening Sunday uh, Asara Bateves at Merkaz Asimcha on Bay Avenue corner of East 19th near Avenue M in Brooklyn, New York. It's for men and women. Uh, you're all invited. Information at 718-998-5822. 718-998-5822. And earlier in the week, uh, we spoke with um, the executive director of the One Israel Fund. And the One Israel Fund has an incredible Play for Israel game night and Israeli auction happening this Saturday night at the Woodmere Club, Meadow Drive in Woodmere, New York. They're also expecting, in addition to the uh, game night and the Israeli auction and a fun and wonderful evening, they're expecting Jay Booksbaum, the incredible kosher wine sommelier from Royal Wine Kedem, uh, to be there with some of his incredible expertise and some beautiful bottles of wine. January 7th, tomorrow night, 8.30 at the Woodmere Club, Meadow Drive in Woodmere for the One Israel Fund. It is the Play for Israel game night and Israeli auction. Go to oneisraelfund.org for information, oneisraelfund.org. For information, and the second in the two-part series by Dr. David Sykes of the Department of Bible at the Yeshiva College and Stern College is happening at the Unusual Jamaica Estates. He's speaking about Safer Bracious, and this coming Sunday, the topic is Unlocking the Mystery of Jacob's Blessings to His Sons. 7.30 p.m. this coming Sunday at the Unusual Jamaica Estates. For information, contact the synagogue. More coming up Friday morning. Erev Shabbos here at JM in the AM. I thank you all for tuning in. Weekly update is on the way. Rabbi Yudin is going to be live from Israel. Rabbi Yudin is in Israel, in the Holy Land. We get to speak to him, or he gets to speak to us, I should say, live from Israel, coming up at about 8.15 Eastern Time this morning, and plenty more on this Friday Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM.
חכמים, הפחד משתק אותך כמעט. מבפנים, אין מילים, רק להשפיל את המבט. התמיד, אין דרך לעבור ואין לעצור, כל מה שהיה לעולם לא יחזור, בסוף כל הדרכים נשקף לו
let me pray, let me pray, just one prayer. Hashem, let me sing just one song. Hashem, let me live till the great morning comes when the whole world will sing just one song. Weekly update coming up in a second. Yehuda Green with Anna Bakoach. Eight-time catch at Lachad Odi. Barry Weber in there with Gesher Tsar on a Friday morning. Erev Shabbos. Candle lighting 424 in the New York area. Sunday's a fast day at Sarabateves. Big thank you to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to recommend our network to all of their hundreds of thousands of readers. Don't forget JewishWorldReview.com, a golden opportunity to uh, read and or print out thousands of articles dealing with Israel and issues important to our community. I want to thank our friends at OnlySimchas.com who continue to use our content uh, in addition to a whole bunch of other great things for their amazing news feed, which features a lot of great news out there. Uh, check out OnlySimchas.com, not only for all the smachot, but also for the information and stories that they are posting on a regular basis. Try to check them out every single day. Oh, and I wanted to take this opportunity before we get to the weekly update wish a very special Mazel Tov to Shani and Chaim Hollander. Yes, that Hollander, folks. Uh, they have a brand new baby boy as of Wednesday, the Shlom Zachar, pronounced properly. Uh, the Shlom Zachar is tonight, and we wish the entire extended Hollander and Mark's families a very special Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us Friday mornings for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Hello, it's good to be with you again. I appreciate that. Last week we, oh, before I, uh, before I even start the quote-unquote hard news section, I was just thinking after I heard of the um, passing of Yaakov Neaman uh, this week, who uh, I certainly thought was a great man, I would assume you went very, very way back with him. I'd known him for a long time, and we were very close friends, and a man I greatly respected, who achieved much, not only becoming one of the most prominent attorneys, but also a minister in various capacities, um, I think even a finance, and, um, and active in, the, I think, Department of Justice uh, as well. Yeah. Um, so he, he had a very storied career, and unfortunately passed away at a still relatively young age. 
And um, I don't know, there was something, I, I, the, most of the time when I saw him, it was in Hebron, you know, Shabbos Parshas Chayesara. And he was somebody, even though that he held, you know, lofty positions in the government of Israel, did not hesitate to really reach out to all Israelis. And I'm sure that's the feeling you got uh, when you saw him, uh, you know, at times as well. Absolutely. So he was, I was at his home for Kiddush and for lunch and Shabbat many times. And uh, he um, it was always very warm and friendly. People uh know him will attest to that and uh he suffered in recent uh, period but he uh, was really a dynamic force in israeli life no question he will be missed all right we'll talk about the house and senate in a moment but before we get to what happened yesterday and in general what happened this week from the start of the uh, the uh, latest session of congress we had an opportunity last week to discuss um, you know, some organizations, some high profile, you might argue, and others may argue as well, not so high profile Jewish organizations who are taking a slightly different stand than the majority of Congress is, than what we believe the majority of the Jewish community is. I'm referring in this case to a full page ad that was placed in the New York Times, literally thanking, that's what it says, as thank you, President Obama and Secretary Kerry, you are true friends of the state of Israel, and history will applaud your courage in addressing the conflict in both practical and moral terms. What is your reaction when you see something like that in print in a high-profile news source? Well, I, I don't give it more attention. I try to uh, remember, I mean, people are entitled, it's a free country, and they can be entitled to their point of view, but the fact is that they represent a minority view that the media loves to emphasize and give them coverage, especially the New York Times, uh, in the most distorted and, and misrepresentative way. And their message was clearly repudiated yesterday by the members of the House and will be by the members of the Senate uh, in overwhelming numbers. The, the ability to, to uh, get attention because you can spend a lot of money and because you get the press will always go for man-bites-dog stories where somebody is critical of Israel and uh, purport to build them up and try to make them something they aren't. Uh, is uh, unfortunately part of the fake news stories of the day. You, you know, and, yeah, I'm sorry, and it's true of the secular media, and it's often true of the Jewish media. You know, I'm not arguing with you, but it, it, it makes it so difficult to make to it, it makes it even more difficult to make that case when the centerpiece of their claim is that former Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Barak praised the speech, called it powerful, and said the majority of the world and of Israelis agree with him. Is, is it even conceivable to say that the majority of Israelis agree with him? Well, it depends on what part of the speech. I mean, I don't think anybody who reads the whole thing uh, will necessarily come to that conclusion. Uh, there are parts of it, and there are views. That, I mean, to say that they advocate a two-state solution, the majority of Israelis would support a two-state solution. The question's... The, is the definition of what a two-state solution? Would they accept the fact that the, uh, the not to refer to the million Jewish refugees or nine hundred thousand Jewish refugees, or to talk about Jerusalem as occupied territory, to talk about the Kotel and all of our holy places as occupied territory? No, I don't think that those are things that the majority of Jews. So you have to, uh, you can't just make blanket statements about uh, a seventy-two minute speech in which there was. Uh, uh, content that uh, certainly would would be subject to legitimate criticism, as you heard yesterday in the in the Senate, and the 
giving the energy and the encouragement to the BDS movement, which this uh, which the speech and the resolution uh, did. Uh, the speech and resolution are obviously not the same things, but they but they tie together. And the speech was to vindicate the or explain the abstention vote uh, uh, by the United States at the United Nations on the previous Friday. Uh, so I think. Uh, you know the the ability to just to refer to the statement of a previous prime minister, as we know in Israel, uh, leaders are not hesitant to speak right. uh, even before they know the facts. Um, look, it's a big victory that the House vote yesterday, and this may sound silly, but I got to ask you because you follow this more closely than anybody else. Three forty-two to eighty—that's the vote. But 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 am I right that generally a House vote that is portrayed as you know pro or anti-Israel is usually even more uh, lopsided than that, or or this or this follows along the usual formula? Well, the first resolution uh, was three ninety nine to zero, and the House, the Senate was uh, I think eighty eight senators wrote a letter uh, signed on, and uh, they had the messages to the president before saying don't. Go to the United Nations. Don't do this. The problem here is that it became a test for the administration. So the president weighed in, as he is a right to do, and uh, urged Democratic members not to support it. So the fact that you had so many, I think, is more remarkable than the fact that you didn't get others. I mean, you there, Malcolm? Did we lose you? All right, we will try to reconnect with Mr. Homeline. Not quite sure what happened there. We will try to reconnect and uh, and uh, just a moment. Okay, we've reconnected with Mr. Malcolm Homeline. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, and so that the, the a lot of pressure was brought to bear by the administration uh, and others to to uh, say that this would be repudiation of the president, and then they made this about two states, uh, two state solution, and um, I think it, it got distorted in the process. And uh, Nancy Pelosi voted against the resolution, but so did uh, people like Greg Meeks and uh, some others who we would have hoped would have not and would have abstained or something, but. Um, uh, I, I think we shouldn't read too much into the numbers when you know all the internal machinations that go into yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the, the hundred, as you point out, the hundred or, or more than a hundred, whatever exact number of Democrats uh, that voted for it, uh, should be acknowledged, and that's a good point. And anybody, and nonetheless, and there may be, frankly, people in this audience who are in Nancy Pelosi's district. Not a bad idea to contact her office, and if you want to express things one way or the other, go ahead and do so. Well, I think we should also acknowledge those who, who came out in support. Sure. And by the way, yesterday Chuck Schumer endorsed the Taylor Force uh, Act uh, uh, um, bill, which deals with the Palestinian funding for, for terrorists and incitement uh, and recognition, you know, that they allocate over $300 million in their budget to, the, to pay for uh, terrorists. And the more you kill, the more you get. And, and pay for those who were killed, the families of those uh, of those people, as well as for the terrorists themselves for the years that they are in prison, which uh, many people don't realize that this is actually part of the budget. 
and though they funded it through the PLO, you know, but they give them the money, and it's and it's officially done. So now there is this uh, Taylor Force Act that would cut the funding, and uh, until they they end this glorification, which by the way is in the bill, in in both the UN Security Council resolution, and was in the president's the, by the secretary's speech. Uh, about the the funding of of terrorism incitement, but they don't say Palestinian. They make it a sound as if that's both. The only reference, specific reference, are to settlements and to Israel. But in the Security Council resolution, they talk about these issues, but make it generic. All right. So it sounds like terrorism on both sides. On both sides, everybody. You know. uh, I'm so I'm confused on the timetable. Today's Senate vote's going to be on the UN resolution. That's today. That's the one, yes. The, and, and then, the companion bill to the House. Right. And then the, and then when you said Schumer in terms of funding, when does that go to the floor? That's the Taylor Force. That will be coming up, we hope. All right. So sometime in the next few days, right? Not weeks away, but days away. Well, we don't know how the exact schedule works. You know, you have inauguration coming up. You have other things. So, oh, so it could the wait. fact is that it's moving ahead is, is what's important. Understood. And Lindsey Graham is the primary proponent behind it. Understood. All right. Um so now we go to the uh, we go to the uh, president elect and see that you know he he's been very very active over the last few days to say the least and we wonder um, you know I'm thinking back to 1980 you'll recall in 1980 or more accurately January 20th 1981 the there was an intimidation factor where the Iranian leadership thought that Ronald Reagan would behave a certain way so they changed their tone a bit. I, I'm, I'm sure you remember what I'm referring to. So now I wonder, is there a way for Donald Trump, the president-elect, to w- whether there is an official rescinding or not of the Iran uh, Iran bill, um, it, it, the Iran deal, is there a way for him at the, at the very beginning of his administration to set things up where he could strike some fear in the Iranians? Absolutely, and I think he already has. If uh, people will look at the Iran currency, it's hit an all-time low, a record low against the, the dollar. I think it's 41500 to the dollar. In September, it was 35000 and the uh, inflow of foreign funds in, uh, has, has been much smaller this, this past year than they expected uh, because the banks fear running into U.S. legal trouble if they deal with Iran, and now even more because they think the new administration may be tougher and uh, stand up against Iran in ways they haven't. We know that the economic conditions throughout the country are very bad, and there's growing resentment and dissatisfaction uh, with them. They continue the same bravado. I saw Valiati of the Expediency Council, who's very close to to Khamenei, uh, has talked about their continuing to support the anti-Israel resistance, and he cited how they have now the presence and the resistance front that goes from Iraq to Syria to Lebanon to to Palestine, and of course Hamas and Hezbollah, uh, which we've talked about. But you see how they uh, see the map, and uh, um, they are also uh, talking about... uh, the big deals, but when you look at in more detail, you see a lot of them are not being fulfilled. The, the British Petroleum, I think, pulled out of the deal that they uh, uh, signed. Um, so, yes, there's a lot of leverage that the uh, president-elect will have, has. I yeah. think already now we're seeing it in various ways giving expre- being expressed, including regarding the Paris uh, conference that's coming up. And... Um, uh, I hope that, and, and there are ways to undo some of the impact 
including increased sanctions, and mostly in the banking area. That is what really makes the difference and has the maximum leverage. And to show we're not going to tolerate them running, playing havoc with our, our ships in the in the Persian Gulf, they're right. expanding their footprint throughout the region, and and, the, and their aggressiveness, including and and I think sec, uh, the new incoming head of the Homeland Security will be very strong about their activities in in uh, South America, for instance, where he was he was the head of the Southern Command, and we just saw in Venezuela. Just an aside, but it's very important when you talk about and forgive people understanding why we are. Uh, always so strong about the issue of Iran's aggressive behavior. They they just appointed a vice president who was the the choice of Iran essentially, and the, this guy uh, and if Madura, the current president who is, has really bad legal problems, if he gets uh, knocked out, then the the process will lead to the uh, election of president who is a. Um, a, a, a puppet, essentially, they say, of, of Iran. And uh, it's one of the many manifestations, but here you see where you could have a man who has had a long history of direct association with Iran and Iran's role within uh, South America, within Venezuela, uh, where you've seen, by the way, an increase in Aliyah. It's not dramatic, but it's been steady uh, increase and others uh, leaving the country as well. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio exclusively around the world at NahumSiegel.com, the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on our beloved NSN app. Uh, well, I was going to ask you about that because I saw you posted the article about the uh, the exodus from Venezuela. In general, was it always among the smaller uh, South American Jewish communities? Well, it had a much larger community, but uh, many of them left. Uh, there are still thousands uh, of people. Uh, the, the community is estimated between six and nine thousand still there. It's a country of what thirty million people, right. um, and they uh, uh, are leaving. But you should know that they, that uh, Venezuela, I think, is number three in the asylum cases coming to the United States. And when you realize that you have the infiltration of of many people who are coming from Middle East backgrounds to to Venezuela because of uh, the Iranian involvement and the, the fact that we know Hezbollah has long been active there, that they could well be training people to infiltrate the United States, being given documents by the Venezuelan government. So the seriousness of, of uh, the question there and the, the um, Jewish community can't sell their properties. They're almost worthless. The, as you know, there are long lines for food. Uh, the situation there is is really quite desperate. So, just back to the other point for a moment when it comes to Iran and my question regarding President-elect Trump. Not on the military side. I understand that's a separate issue and there is an intimidation factor that has to be implemented. But on the economic side, he doesn't really have to strike fear in the Iranians. All he has to do is continue to strike fear in these companies. As long as, long as they refuse to deal with Iran because they don't know what the future holds, then it, the, the, Iran's going to you know feel it in their pocketbook. Well, the companies uh, have been reluctant, and although we read about some of the big deals, you don't know that they're actually consummated or fully delivered. We have to see whether that really happens or not, and in many cases it doesn't, and that's why the flow of foreign funds has been much smaller than what one would believe based upon the public pronouncements. Uh, it doesn't mean that they haven't gotten tens of billions of dollars. We know right. that they have. That just They've been able to sell oil on the open market again, but... The price of oil is not at a level which it, it makes in, uh, the money that it wants to from uh, the export, and also there's a glut on the market, so they they don't have um, the sales. But but 
you know, in this regard and in regard to the BDS and the boycott of Israel, the, there is a very strong legislation. We have more legislation that's going to be introduced to, to tell companies you cannot join, you cannot participate in these things. They will be exposed if they do, be subject to fines and, and uh, punishments. And I think the uh, the words of the president-elect and the uh, works of the perhaps the new secretaries of Treasury and others will give greater credence to it, although I have to say that there are members of the Department of the Treasury who, for the last eight years, have really done incredible work, Stuart Levy, Dave Cohen, Adam Zubin, uh, who are really devoted and, and uh, took the lead in, in implementing these uh, the sanctions against Iran. Hmm, interesting. All right, I have to assume that you were not shocked when you heard this morning's story about the Israeli spy satellite discovering a, a, a secret Russian missile cache in Syria. I would assume that you were not surprised to hear that. We were, we were always surprised <laughs> <laughs> by everything that seems to come up these days, but um, certainly not pleasantly surprised. And the question is where it was headed. And if it's, in fact, uh, the Russians playing a role in, in seeing to it that, um, that these weapons, which... Uh, Find their way to the uh, to Hezbollah, which has a huge presence today, and played a key role in all the battles around uh, Damascus and and others uh, other fights that are going on uh, in Syria, and continues to play a, a big role there, uh, along with the you know Basijis and the other the militias that uh, are backed by Iran. Uh, certainly, it gives greater um, concern about the presence of these weapons, what the intent was, what kind of controls there are over them. All right, so I guess we're going to follow that situation very closely, right? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, that's for yeah. sure. Uh, the, the whole Russian Syria, that, that is really a news item that seems to change every week in terms of the Russian-Syrian relationship and where you know the influence that, that each one is having uh, in the Middle East. And, and we should note that, because I saw this on a story that you posted, that essentially at this point it's agreed that the Syrian ceasefire uh, has has basically crumbled at this point. It, it, it's hard to know whether it actually really held sway at any time, but it certainly uh, is crumbling. And you see that the uh, criticisms and the uh, the resur- resurgent fighting that uh, goes on. Um, so they um, uh, that's why we posted these stories that people in the right. Daily Alert, right. uh, DailyAlert.org, for those who are wondering what you're referring to. Yeah, that's right. And and uh, yes, and I, I'm saying to you that these it is important because we should know that it isn't always the way the press reports it, or one could read into the press reports that things are calm and quiet there, and uh, and so many of the important stories that that don't get uh, the message doesn't get out, uh, and especially about things I saw that uh, the 180 shooting attacks in the West Bank were prevented. Nobody is going to, uh, the Daily Alert covered it, but you see in the general press, when they're talking about violence, they talk about it as if it's equal on both sides, when in fact, of course, we all know it, it isn't true, but the general public may not know that it isn't It isn't true. And uh, the interesting thing with the Russians, by the way, is that they schedule talks between Hamas and Fatah, and they have you know, often advocated reconciliation between them, but they scheduled them for January 15th, which is the same day as the Paris conference yep. coming up, the infamous Paris conference. Yeah. Uh, the infamous Paris conference that you certainly, 
I, I shouldn't even say alluded. I think you were pretty more direct than an allusion last week to the fact that the U.S. is not going to take any drastic action against Israel in the last week of the Obama administration. You're still- oh, I said that they won't go to the Security Council, but I do believe that it's possible, and I've seen some of the uh, draft documents for it, that there will be a communique that will be reinforcing of the Kerry principles, reinforcing the resolution of the Security Council, using that language which would be very disturbing, and we are fighting it, and also the meeting of the quartet, where the same things could take place. So the, I don't believe the Russians want to enshrine Kerry's principle. They don't want to give him more credit than uh, than before. And by the way, when we're talking about Syria, it came out that there are, are thousands, maybe even 10,000 Palestinians who have formed groups that are fighting in Aleppo for the regime and supporting uh, the regime. Again, something that Generally, they're not. People don't publish and don't talk about you know the role that they're playing in, in this conflict. But the the Paris conference, which to which now seventy countries have been invited, uh, this is Hollande, the president's big hurrah, uh, because he's going out of office with the elections that are taking place this spring. Uh, and the the question is whether certain people will attend, whether Secretary Kerry will go, will the Will they live up to the promise they made, which I believe they will, that they won't go to the Security Council because they don't think they need to. I mm-hmm. think that there are other ways that uh, they can get the the uh, principles or parameters uh, established. It could be that they, that they will go further and talk about what uh, limits there are to what Israel can aspire to or try to talk about the conditions or what a final map or other things. That could uh, happen. Again, I don't believe, I believe right now the reaction to the Kerry speech was so negative mm. and to the UN vote, much right. more so than I think they anticipated. Right, good point. Um, all right, so either way, though, you have a very busy week ahead. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you'll, never quiet. You'll, you'll be revising language all through the day, every single day. Uh, all right, let's do a little bit on Israel, because there are a lot of issues that people are insisting we speak about, and they're 100% right. First of all, the, uh, the manslaughter charge and the conviction of Elora Zarya. I don't know what more you can say about this case compared to what you said back in March and April when this became you know such a hot issue uh, when the episode occurred. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nothing more. Yeah, there is not much more. I mean, we, we know that democracy, and that's something we should be proud of. Democracy spoke, right? This was a this was a trial in an IDF army trial, correct? Yes, and and a military court, which which are known for their independence and the. Uh, the judicious way they go about things. This wasn't a kangaroo trial. It wasn't uh, but none rushed. The, but nonetheless, those... But there is a context also. I mean, you right. know the situation, and that's why when you cite all of the attacks that people don't know about, how much these soldiers put up with every day uh, in terms of the... And, and, and this is only in the West Bank. I'm not talking about all of those that took place and, and actually got carried out and the number of car rammings and all the other things that go on that... These young soldiers have to face every day. Well, that's why so many of us are hoping, and I don't even know if this is possible. Maybe you could speak to this. I don't know what your expertise is in this area. But but we are hoping that there's at least an understanding that when sentencing occurs, uh, th- there's some degree of leniency. There's some degree of understanding that uh, that the that sentence, I don't even want to use the word lighter, it should not be as severe as a regular case of manslaughter. Is there is there room for that still? before sentencing officially occurs in February? Well, there's always room for it, and the, the judges, I'm sure, will take everything into account. That the, uh, you know, it, it, the circumstances as described 
um, are, are what are the, are the basis on which the, the judges are are acting. But you see that popular sentiment, and even in the Knesset and other places, there's a great deal of sympathy, obviously, for him. And and from some and, members of Knesset, you'd never expect it from. And yes, and I think that the and yet on the other hand, others are saying you cannot ignore the rule of law and, and just uh, dismiss it. So we hope that uh, you know justice is tempered with mercy and understanding, and uh, the message is sent. I think very clearly by them that uh, you know they don't tolerate this. But on the other hand, the circumstances of you know these young guys facing yeah. very difficult uh, conditions. Yep. And maybe it has to be better screening. Maybe it has to be other things done that the army lessons the army has to to learn or does learn each time. But you know there are very few armies that have to face what they face every day, and uh, the restraint that they demonstrate is really remarkable. And there are very few armies that have to face a democratic system once the episode is over. A, a very volatile one that makes everything political. Yeah. And that, uh, as we see how the judiciary becomes involved in, in the political circumstances, uh, almost on a daily basis. The uniqueness of the state of Israel just continues to... Uh, but the democracy flourishes, and yeah. the rule of law continues. Understood. All right, people wanted your comments about the uh, declassification of the MNI children documents. Uh, uh, any Anything to say about the uh, what Benjamin Netanyahu made sure to accomplish uh, uh, last week? Yes, they lived up to it. They released the documents. The, there were no, there wasn't what they called a smoking gun about the deliberate uh, campaign or being able to follow it. But it's a tragic uh, chapter. There's still many unanswered uh, questions. Hadar Golden Aron Shaul. Um, one of the things their parents have not done is really taken to the streets and encouraged others to do the same to have their bodies recovered um from the enemy and uh i i i think most would agree that because there hasn't been this public outcry that they've led um they've been ignored to a degree uh it's a fine line because you know a lot of times uh families do not want to go ahead and take to the streets and, and create a national situation to put the prime minister under pressure like that does this issue ever come up i mean you're in israel constantly and you're in the knesset all the time is this an issue at all when it comes to uh, uh th- those who are uh um, you know, bodies of those who have been uh, uh, apprehended and killed by the enemy. You know, in a, in a war, in a it war, it comes took- up all the time. Uh, we are in touch with the Golden family. They have conducted a, a very effective campaign. The problem here is that Hamas is not subject to pressure of demonstrations or boycotts. They don't care. They don't care what happens to the people of Gaza. Obviously, they're the ones who are torturing them, and they hold back the return, and even if it means that their bodies don't come back and that Israel, you know, withheld the withdraw, the giving back of, of the bodies of terrorists uh, and stopped it now. Wasn't the negotiation and, for Gilad Shalit with Hamas, or am I wrong? Of was course that, it was. It, no, I'm saying it was. So the, yes, the, and we paid so, a very, very heavy price of 1,200 reliefs, some of whom have been recidivists, or many, and uh, the public opinion on it was very mixed. But Israel does everything to get back and he was alive, alive, right, a live alive, soldier. Right. And here, right. uh, you know, Israel believes that they they are not alive. There are two people they're holding, um, and uh, under other circumstances, and the, the, so the you know this is such a delicate and difficult thing. And the prime minister, as one in the past, told me, you know, we have to face it every day. I walk out of my office. I walk into my home. There are people there protesting, and I see their families. I see somebody related to them. It's not something we can ignore. The problem here is that Israel 
doesn't have much bargaining power, and the question is, what price do you pay uh, for it, and, and does it endanger people in, in the future? But Israel, I know, continues on this. I, as you know, because it was public, uh, asked President Erdogan, who has these close ties to Hamas, and he promised me and said it in front of the President's Conference delegation and subsequently that he was working on it, and he said to me, don't worry, I didn't forget Khadar Golden. Uh, he actually said that. Meeting. Yes, he actually used his name and wow. uh, unprompted said it to me. All right, well, call a vote to you. No, you're you're it, keeping it on the agenda. Call a vote to you. Call a vote to the Golden family and yep. those who have paid the price. I mean, we're just sleeping that uh, do our, our job, but those are the people who really deserve the credit for the, the sacrifice and and to the young people who serve. And finally, um, yes, so um, uh, what's his name? John Kirby, right? State Department? That's his name, I believe? Yes, the spokesman. Right, so he says that uh, it would be a bad idea and would put American lives in danger, etc., etc. The State Department approved of a move of the embassy to Jerusalem. I would love to know because you 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 sort of alluded to this uh, over the last few weeks that that you know it should be. You, I think your position has been it should be done, but let's just realize you know what complications could arise from it being done. Um, what do you think? I mean, do you, is it still something that you, as a as a leader in this area, uh, you would go ahead and advocate for? Would you would you want to uh, hold the president's feet to the fire, the president elect's feet to the fire, and have the embassy move to Jerusalem at this point? Well, I don't think he needs his feet held to the fire. It looks like his feet are moving pretty quickly in this direction. <laughs> so, and certainly the new ambassador feels very strongly about it. And, and look, you know that uh, I was responsible largely with, together with Senator Moynihan for getting the right. 1995 Jerusalem Embassy Act passed. Is there so any downside? My position you... on this is very clear. The only thing is that you always do it with Seichel, that you can I think that there are ways that it can be done that will be less confrontational. You don't want to have loss of life or threats or other things. And, All right. So and, if done properly, you, you would say a yes or no question, there's no downside. I, if I asked you if there was a downside, if it's done properly, you would say no. I'm saying that it can be done the right way. Of course, there will be a downside. There will be criticism. There will be reaction. But you know what? It's time to tell the Palestinians that West Jerusalem is part of Israel no matter what. So this is not an embassy in East Jerusalem. So those who to say that we are, that this is changing the status, it's, it's just a lie. It's not true. Uh, this is something that Israel has had the same capital since its founding. And the, the, um, uh, uh, you know the failure to to move the embassy is is not Israel's failure. It's the countries that that don't want to recognize or make themselves subject to this pressure. It won't change the outcome of what they call the two state solution or what they call one state solution or any solution uh, by having uh, an embassy. And you can have you already have two consulates in Jerusalem. If one of them would have a sign on it that here's the uh, office of the ambassador as well. Again, I don't think it should be done in a confrontational way. I think it has to be done intelligently, and and uh, I think you can help minimize the the reaction to it. But I think the statements of the president-elect on this have been pretty clear. Yeah, that's true. All right, uh, we will recap. Oh, by the way, I just I I I don't often <laughs> I don't often do programming notes with you on, but I just want everyone to realize because they're going to be interested if they're listening right now. Mayor Weingarten is preparing for nine o'clock Monday morning a segment called "Lies That My Secretary of State Told Me." 
<laughs> he's preparing a segment on that, analyzing the entire speech. And you know, he does a pretty good job at that stuff. So people... Ariel Tours has its own Secretary of State. <laughs> they certainly do. <laughs> they follow the same one we do. So I well, want... next week we'll do it, God willing, from Israel, and I'll be able to give you a first-hand oh. front account about where things uh, stand. Phenomenal. Uh, God willing, I hope it will work out that we can do it. All right, we certainly will. And uh, I think one thing, one one last thing quickly, and that is that during Hanukkah, I don't know how many people watch, but again, when you're looking at all the tsaras and all the bad things, and literally we worked around the clock two weekends in a row, uh, right from uh, before Shabbat till, and right after Shabbat, straight through the holidays uh, and the days off, which we didn't get. Um, but there were hikers, spelunkers, who were going through caves and in the in the lower uh, the Judean lowlands and near Ashkelon, and they they found in a cave the carving of a seven branched menorah. As you know, we use an eight branch of Hanukkah, right. but the, in the Beis Hamikdash, that a seven branch with three legs that goes back to the period of the of the second Beis Hamikdash. They say, and it, there was also a cross there that was done much later, but. Uh, this the ancient depiction of a menorah in a cave, and it was kept intact because of the climactic conditions there. It was um, in perfect shape, and they, it was easily discernible. And it's the it's the, I think the second or third time in a cave that they, they've ever found a menorah. Um, and uh, so this is not far from uh, Kiryat Gat. Uh, that uh, this uh, was found during Hanukkah. And just by chance, because of the uh, of these guys who who wandered into them, and as they check out the caves in the region, so we wonder what else they're going to find. But there's a lot of story behind it that we'll have to do some other time. All right, thank you so much for a wonderful Shabbos and a good trip. We'll speak next week. Malcolm Holine is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayigash, candlelighting at 424. Now, someone is, uh, has just sent us an email that I'm announcing the wrong time, which I don't think has happened in a long time, but I'm just going to check this out and make sure. Yeah, that makes sense. 424 is, in fact, candlelighting time, yeah. Uh, Shkia, sunset, is 444. So, yeah, so the listener that said the New York area uh, it's 4.34. That's incorrect. Candlelighting is as we announced. Um, as we announced, it's uh, 4.24 on this era of Shabbos in the New York area. Uh, Sunday's a fast day. Asara Bateves, amazing programming all through the weekend, of course. Naomi Nachman is coming up next with Table for Two, a brand new edition. After that, our Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix all the way until candlelighting time. Today featuring live lunch with Mark Zomik at 12 noon. Eastern time, and of course, Saturday night, Siegel tomorrow night with Avrami. Sunday, JM Sunday with Matis on Asarbateves on the fast day. Make sure to be tuned in. Incredible and wonderful programming all through the week and all through the weekend. Rabbi Yudin is live from Israel, I'm proud to say. This time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good afternoon, Shabbos, everybody, and good afternoon, because it is uh, 3.25 in the afternoon here in Ramat Shemesh. It's sunny. It's beautiful here at home. And as I always begin, whenever I have the privilege of um, giving this program from Eretz Yisrael, you know what I'm going to say, but I see it, and I believe it, and I mean it. We are privileged to have Shabbos in the States. 
We don't have Arab Shabbos. Sure, in the homes, it's busy. But the hustle and bustle of outside, that the streets of Ramat Shemesh, Beit Shemesh, wherever you go, you see Shabbos. That's Baruch Hashem, what it means to be home in Eretz Yisrael. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayigash. It happens to be an exceedingly emotional parsha. It is the parsha where Yosef uh, identifies himself and reunites with his brothers. His brothers in general, his brother Binyamin specifically, father and son are brought together. And as we shall see, these moments are the fulfillment of Rabos Machshavos Plevish, as we say every morning in our davening. Many and varied are the thoughts of man. Patsas Hashem, Hisokum, the will of God, the design of God, that will take place. God is not just the Bore. He's not just the creator. Why do we read Pasha's Vayigash? What do we get? Which mitzvah? There's no mitzvah of putting mezuzah on your door. There's no mitzvah of tikkus or shabbos or kashras. Why do we read Pasha's Vayigash? There are so many powerful lessons that we need to learn, including Hashkacha Pratis. That is literally God's personal involvement in the lives of Klal Yisrael, in general, Bechlau, and in each individual, Bechlat. So I'd like to begin, first of all, with an interesting idea. It wasn't that long ago that we celebrated the altar of Hanukkah, and the B'nai Yisachar notes that the four letters on the dreidel are not only Nun Gimel, Shin Hey or Hey Shin, this Kadol HaYasham and Eretz Yisrael Po, but rather it also spells Goshna, referring to Goshen, which is the city that Yaakov chose for his family to live when they went into Mitzrayim. Yaakov wanted a strong, cohesive Jewish community with its own resources and educational system enabling survival for the Jew in exile. This was the first one, and we learned from Yaakov that throughout the exiles, what maintains us and keeps us going is that powerful pasuk found in the beginning of Shishi, that's Yehuda, Shalach Lefana, before he's down and coming into Egypt. He hasn't seen Yosef in 22 years. Family needs food. There's so many things. If you have a to-do list, what is at the top of the list? Look at Yaakov's top of the list. He sends Yehuda before him, or Yosef, the Horos, the fun of Goshna. And Rashi says, what does that mean? <clears throat> the Horos, the fun of Goshna. It is, the Sakin says, Rashi, lo, base Talmud, Shemisham, Tetzei, Horos. That there be a yeshiva, that the children, grandchildren will have a place to grow, even in the Gullahs. Now, this Sunday, as Nachum mentioned, is the fast of Asura B'Teves, the 10th of Teves. We're taught in the second book of Malachim that in chapter 25, 
beginning of the chapter, in the ninth year of the reign of King Sidkiyahu, on the tenth day of the tenth month, the Vuchadnezar, the king of Babel, put a siege around Jerusalem. This marked the beginning of the end of the first based on Bingdash. Now the prophet Yechezkel, in chapter 24, at the beginning of the chapter, was in Babel at the time, and without CNN or any other way to be informed, he told the people in Babel, record this date, this exact day, for this very day the king of Babel has laid siege to Yerushalayim. And he uses the term, Be'etzem Hayom Hazeh. Now, interestingly, the Avudraham, Rishon, is quoted by the Beis Yosef at the beginning of Hilchos Tanis, and who says the following, that were the fast of Asar Tetevis to fall on a Shabbos, we would fast on Shabbos. And the reason the Avudraham gives is that since the Navi, used the words on this very day and this term is found in Vayikra in conjunction with Yom Kippur just as by Yom Kippur we fast on a Shabbos if Yom Kippur is a Shabbos so too regarding Asar B'Teves were it to fall on a Shabbos now our calendar has been made in such a way that while this fast can occur on a Friday, and it's the only time we ever do fast on a Friday, it cannot fall on a Shabbos. But the very fact that the Abu Jaham says we would is something that excites many of the commentaries. And so, the Minchas Chinuch in Mitzvah Shin Aleph interestingly, suggests a reason why we would fast on a Shabbos. He says the Navi Zechariah in chapter 8 speaks about the four fast days that we have aside from Yom Kippur, which is from the Torah, but the four fast days which come from the prophets, and they are Tzomar Vi'i, which is the fast of the fourth month, Shavasabatamus, Tzom HaChamishi, the fast of the fifth month, which is Tisha B'Av. Tzom HaShvi'i, the fast of the seventh month, which is Tzom Gedalia. And Tzom HaSiri, the fast of the tenth month, which is this Sunday, Asar B'Tivis. So he notes the Milchas Chinuch, that the first three are called simply the fast of the month. Therefore, if it falls on a Shabbos, we would not fast on that day because technically speaking, we can fast any day in the month or any day close to it. But here, since this day was identified by the Navi Yechezkel, that would be an additional reason for fasting on Shabbos. Finally, the Hassam Sofer, in his commentary on the Slichos, for Asar B'Teves, quotes a source, an old source, the Sefer Karnayim, a Kabbalistic Sefer, which says that every year on 
Hashem convenes his heavenly court to decide whether the Beis Hamikdash would be rebuilt this year. Now listen carefully to this Chassam Sofer. He points out that if somebody fasts on their yard site, they would not fast if their yard site falls on a Shabbos. Why? Because that's a Venus Yeshana. That's an old morning. However, if somebody has a most disturbing dream on Friday night, the halacha says they could fast on Shabbos. Why? Because that's a current crisis, an Avelus Chadosha. It's a current crisis, and to him, not eating on that Shabbos would be a kind of therapeutic means of dealing with his horrific dream. So continues the Hassan Sofer. If a Sarabatavis were to fall on a Shabbos, we would fast even on Shabbos. Why? Because it is a current crisis. Right now, on this day, happens to be this Sunday, they're going to be deciding upstairs, will the third base of Mingdash be rebuilt? Oh my goodness. We've got to pay attention to davening this Sunday morning. We've got to pay attention to the slichos. We've got to pay attention to the reading of Ayachal in the uh, morning and in the afternoon by Mincha and in the Haftorah by Mincha. That the day takes on a different kind of meaning. And if you look in the parsha and you see in chapter 45, Pasuk 14, and contrasted to 15. In Pasuk 15, the Torah simply says that Joseph, Joseph kissed his brothers, all of them, and he cried on them with them. However, in the prior Pasuk, Pasuk Yedalid, he fell, Yosef, on the necks of his brother Binyamin, and he cried. The rabbis tell us on both sides of the neck that he cried, and Binyamin cried on his neck. What's going on here? So Rashi says, and we know from the seventh chapter of Shir Hashirim, that the neck reminds us of the Beis HaMintosh. Yosef cried not only because of the emotionally charged moment, seeing his brother who he hasn't seen for 22 years, but Yosef and Binyamin each realized that as they are starting, not only as individuals, but as part of a Jewish people, the first exile, ay ay ay, there are going to be future exiles, and there's going to be in the future Bote Mintash, the first and second base on Mintash, which will be destroyed. And they cried over their destruction of this two Bote Mintash. We are to cry and plead and beg and daven this Sunday, Sheyabane Beza Mintash. Those words, which are so powerful, which come from the Mishnah in Avos, those words with which we conclude every 
single Shmona Esrei during the week and Shabbos every Shmona Esrei. Say it with Kavona. Say your brother, Beis Hamindosh, Bimheiro Biyabinu, that the third Beis Hamindosh should, please God, be rebuilt very speedily and quickly in our time. And just as one is privileged to see in Eretz Yisrael that the land is blooming and blossoming and welcoming Jews from all over the world, we want the Shekhinah to come back to his home. And therefore, I'm just going to make one very important suggestion, and that is as follows. The Gemara tells us in Megillah, 29a, that the Navi Yechezkel in chapter 11 of Yechezkel tells the Jewish people, therefore, Hashem says, who oh, you're going to be dispersed among the nations, right? Though you're going to be far away, still, I have been for them and will be for them a small sanctuary in the lands where they are living. Which means that even in the darkest exile, the Jew can find Shechina in the Mikdash Ma'at, their synagogue and their study halls. Now, the Bach, in his commentary on Hilchos Hanukkah, says one of the reasons that we lost the Beisab Bindash is because Nisrashlu Ba'avodah, they did not properly honor and revere the Beisab Bindash, and for that reason they lost it. And therefore I believe that the upshot and lesson is most charging for us that therefore, in order for us to ask and petition the return of the Beisab Bindash, we have to demonstrate our appreciation and our respect for the Bindash Ma'at, for the synagogue, for the Beisab Medrash. Now, what does that mean? It means that the Shohanak says, I have to tell you, in Orachayim 151, that one is not to speak to Varim small talk in Shul. But, now listen carefully now. Not only can't you speak during davening, the Shulchanach is speaking about Kaman. After davening, before davening, one should realize, wow, the privilege of being in God's small home. That's what it is. And therefore, the many Rabbanim over the years refused even to perform a marriage ceremony in the shul because of the sanctity of the base Akinesis. And therefore, I strongly recommend that just as many people have the practice of knocking on their doors before they enter their own house, not to startle the people inside, but more important, to pause for a moment and to reflect upon the privilege of entering one's home and not bringing any negativity of the day into the home. Similarly, before one enters the sanctuary, they should pause and say, Matovu, how privileged I am to enter your sanctuary. And therefore I pray that if we show appreciation for the small mikdash of what we have, that will be 
a big step for us to please God, get the big and real thing. Shabbat Shalom to all. In the AM, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. That's Raya Mehemo with Chadodi. Want to thank all those who are commenting on our app. I will go through the lineup for the day. 
So you'll know what to expect after 9 a.m. Eastern time as we get closer and closer to Shabbos. Here's Gershon Varoba. <laughs> is a brand new one from Gershon Varoba. It's unbelievable. It's already over a week since the big uh, celebration at the Teaneck Doghouse for the CD release of Gershon's album. Um, Ani Yisrael is the name of the album, and that's called Shimcha. Before that, Raya Mehemna with Lachado D. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos on this Parsha's Vayigash, candlelighting 424 in the New York area. Sunday's a fast day. It'll be a Sarab Teves. Keep that in mind. And uh, we have amazing programming all through uh, today and all through the weekend. 
Just incredible programming. Let me go through it. At 9 o'clock this morning, the video is already up on the homepage at NahumSiegel.com. The video is already up. It's Naomi Nachman. Uh, you'll hear, obviously, the audio on all of our platforms. Uh, a brand new show, Table for Two, brand new edition with Daniela Silver, author of The Silver Platter, Simple Elegance. Chala Frischman. Chaya Frischman, thank you. Chaya Frischman of Fruit Platters and More and Yerucham State Chocolatier for Excellence Chocolate. They're all going to be guests on Table for Two coming up next uh, here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Um, at 10 a.m., we begin the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos Music Mix, brought to you by Royal Wine Corporation Kedem. Today, in addition to the regular and incredible uh, Arab Shabbos Music Mix, which is such an amazing way to get ready for Shabbos, today... Uh, you'll be able to uh, enjoy a live lunch. Mark Zamek will be doing a live lunch starting at 12 noon Eastern time on the uh, on the network. So make sure to be tuned in. Make sure to enjoy. That's all coming up starting at uh, at the 10 a.m. and of course 12 noon for the live lunch tomorrow night. Avrami hosts Saturday Night Siegel, including the words of Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler of West Orange. He joins him uh, regarding the Torah portion on. Uh, Sunday, Matis will host JM Sunday, Asar Bateves morning, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Make sure to be tuned in. 7 p.m. on Sunday, it's Elliot Weiselberg. And a court report, he's got that, um, he's got that going starting at um, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday night. So a lot happening, to say the least. And you get the opportunity to... Uh, to hear it all, all through the weekend. Monday, we're back starting at 6 a.m. There's actually a rumor that one time New York met Ike Davis, who apparently is on a journey to Israel with a bunch of major leaguers, is going to join us on Monday morning. That is the rumor. So uh, I guess at some point over the weekend and early Monday morning, if that happens, we will certainly um, I'll let you know about it um, via social media and... Uh, all the other typical methods that we use. Shlomo Katz is next. This is JM in the AM.
Shlomo Katz here at JM in the AM. Time to say good Shabbos, everybody, believe it or not. Hard to believe the week's come to an end. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM.
Mr. Alan Achim, Achim, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio, exclusively around the world at NahumSiegel.com. On the NahumSiegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. A reminder, the One Israel Fund... They gather tomorrow night at the Woodmere Club on Meadow Drive in Woodmere, New York for the Play for Israel game night and Israeli auction. Go to the One Israel Fund website, oneisraelfund.org, for all the information about tomorrow night's major event and game night. Thanks so much for tuning in. A, another great week here at JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. Naomi Nachman is next with a brand new edition of Table for Two. The video is up on the homepage at nachumsiegel.com. You can watch the entire proceedings. 10 a.m. for the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix. Enjoy it all the way until candlelighting time and live lunch with Mark Zamek smack in the middle at 12 noon. Another great addition to our programming. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami. And Sunday, JM Sunday starts it off with Matis at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Have a fabulous Shabbos, great weekend, and an easy fast on Sunday. Till next time, Malcolm Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.